Sometimes in preparation for preaching, I meander through a series of research rabbit holes. For instance, I may or may not have spent hours this week reading about the tombs of Gerasenes, or pig farming in the ancient Near East, or how our understanding of mental health has evolved from the era in which disordered minds were blamed on demon possession. Now, sometimes the Holy Spirit cooperates with this nerdery. And sometimes I close my laptop, wait for the storm of information to blow over and settle in with my Bible to practice a modified version of Lectio Divina. If you are not yet familiar with the practice of Lectio Divina, it is a method of prayerfully reading scripture, listening for the way God is speaking through the text. One of the key steps is simply noticing what part of the reading captures your attention. Usually, there is just one. The breath of the spirit narrows on a single word or phrase. But for me, this week, there were three. Each one refused to cede a smidge of attention to the other two. The first phrase, do not torment me. Do not torment me. These words break my heart. They are shouted by a man whose mind has been unraveled by madness, whose body has been shackled by frightened neighbors and harmed by his own hand. They are a howl of desperation, a snarl of terror. The man is on his knees as he says these words, and this humble posture reminds us these words are in fact a sort of prayer, not an eloquent intercession that could be published in a leather-bound prayer book, a prayer that is the, the spiritual equivalent of begging. The man with his host of powers and principalities wreaking havoc on body, mind, and spirit is begging Jesus not to torment him. Here's the thing, Jesus doesn't torment people. And because Jesus reveals the heart of God, we can faithfully extrapolate with confidence. God does not torment people. I'm gonna say this again for the people in the back. God does not cause suffering. God does not cause suffering. God comes alongside us in our agony, drawing near to us in our bleakest moments. God gives strength and courage, hope and healing. And so often, people are taken in by the lie that God is an adversary. Perhaps People are especially vulnerable to this lie in times of psychological torment. Because it is pain caused by that which is invisible and unknowable, the human mind fills in the blanks, 
The human mind decides that if there is powerful torment, there must be a powerful tormentor. The second phrase, what is your name? The desperate man was held in thrall by forces that isolated him from his community and erased his very identity. It was as though he no longer existed. He was reduced to his condition. Now we think we would never dehumanize someone so egregiously. We would never call someone a demoniac as this man is often referred to. But we do dehumanize people with our language. We call people crazy. We refer to the man who suffers from mental illness as a schizophrenic, as if that is all he is, as if he does not have a favorite song or a hidden talent or a standard order at Starbucks. So Jesus, engaged in the complicated craft of liberating this man from his bondage, asks the most humanizing question there is. What is your name? What word did your mother whisper when she held you in your, her arms as a newborn, blessing you with milk and love and an identity? It is a gentle question, a sweet curiosity. Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and he wants to know your name. Because you matter, your story matters. Your fullness as a human being matters. You are not your illness. But the man doesn't share his given name. He is still buried beneath the rubble of misery. The name he claims, or rather the name that has claimed him, is every bit as heartbreaking as his prior plea. My name is Legion, or as it is sometimes translated, mob. This legion of demons was indeed a rioting mob within him, a cacophony of obliterating forces. And then those obliterating forces are lifted redirected, dispersed into the pigs. It is an act of mercy and liberation and healing. It is an act of cooperation too. Jesus merely gives the throng of parasites permission to decamp. Now, I am sorry it doesn't end well for the swine. It isn't fair, though to be clear, the swine herds were likely far more concerned about the economic blow than complaints about animal welfare. The story invites us to peel our attention away from the pigs, away even from the demons. Our attention must rest on the man, clothed and in his right mind. It's no wonder he wants to follow Jesus, to stay close to the one who has restored him to life. He even begs again, 
but what a remarkably different, different plea. Do not torment me has become, take me with you. But Jesus, again, rejects the appeal, but with words of tenderness and care, words that are indeed the third phrase that gripped me in my reading. Go home to your friends. To be perfectly honest, this command startled me. What home? What friends? This man had been shackled and living among the tombs. The severity of his mental illness had been strong enough to wrench apart his chains and his relationships. Jesus trusts that these shattered bonds could be repaired. Jesus trusts that this man will be held again, not by coils of metal, but within the embrace of a friend. I believe that sending the man home is part and parcel of the healing. It wasn't enough to release the man from the demons, to be fully restored. Jesus had to return him to his community. Friends, it is all but impossible for contemporary readers to see in this story a parable of mental health, which is not to say that mental illness is caused by mobs of roving demons. We can let that one ride as a metaphor. What is not metaphorical, however, is the holy wisdom this story contains. God does not cause suffering. Rather, God comes alongside us in our suffering. You matter. Your story matters. Your fullness as a human being matters. And healing is not only about curing what ails. It is about mending all of the tears, tatting all of the holes, repairing all of the breaches. Healing is comprehensive and complete, so absolute that it may take a lifetime or more to be fulfilled. Biblical healings do not point backward. They point to the already and the not yet. They point to the kingdom of God. I have said this before, and I will say it again. Jesus preached about the kingdom of God. Jesus taught about the kingdom of God. And Jesus healed about the kingdom of God. We live in the meantime. You might even say we live amidst the tombs. So many of us, so many of our loved ones are assailed by anxiety and depression, but these forces will not have the final word. God will wipe every tear away. We are not alone. We are worthy of seeking help. We can dare to hope, for we have glimpsed what God is doing. We have heard the story. We have been amazed. May it be so.
Amen.